Hi guys, welcome to Emmanuel's Manual, and we're here to invite guests to talk about different issues like psychology, politics, and even philosophy. But we'll also dab on different issues in life, and maybe you know share our opinions with it. And today I have invited a friend of mine who I know in my university. His name is Akira, and. Hi Akira, tell me about yourself. Oh hi, hi Manuel. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast.、Uh, yeah, just to give a very brief information about myself, I am a 23-year-old student studying psychology on、uh, EDU, and、uh, I've I've met、uh, Manuel maybe like last semester, and we got along because of our aligned interest when it comes to、um, psychology and philosophy.、Uh, and I'm grateful to be in your podcast. Okay. Oh, that's sweet. Grateful to be in my podcast. That's sweet. You know, I'm the first guest. So you know, I don't know if other guests would say something like that too. But I'll be like, oh, that's so sweet. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So I believe that you have, you know, find a topic for us to discuss today. So what's the topic? Uh, yes. The topic I'll be talking is、uh, escapism. So、uh, escapism is when we deal with stressful feelings by、uh, indulging into various forms of entertainment. And that's a very simple、uh, definition I can give off. It doesn't even have to be stressful. It could be anything that we find boring or anything that、uh, we have a hard time、uh, dealing with. So you're doing some activities, trying to escape from reality in some ways, right? Yes,、uh, in some sense, yes. Escaping not just from reality, but the f- uncomfortable feelings evoked from、uh, the reality of your situation that you cannot have a that you cannot cope with head on.、Hmm. Are there any experience that you have with this kind of you know escapism?、Uh, yes, I mean, just like everyone else, everyone experiences escapism,、uh, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this.、Um, I normally escape from problems evoked from deadlines in university, the pressures of schoolwork, by binge watching、uh, my favorite shows, playing video games, and、uh, reading fiction, as a way to feel like this is a really comfortable,、uh, comfortable reality that I'm currently in,、uh, and to give me some sense of control when I'm in that reality. But whenever I'm back to doing the task, I realize that. I can't do it, and it's actually it's actually really hard, and that's one of the reasons to why I keep on going back to indulging into my forms of entertainment. I guess. What about you, Michael? Well, I guess what you're trying to say is that there's a primary task, there's a main task that you're trying to do, but you're trying to escape from that main task by doing other secondary options to escape that kind of. Feeling of lack of control and pleasant feeling, and well, do I have things like that? I, I guess I do, because when I'm I'm studying, and I'm a university student, and when I'm studying, sometimes I feel really stressful, and I'll rather like do something like sleep. I sleep to spend my day. I spend my day sleeping to try to like forget about. The stress and the work, and 
back then there was a period that I didn't study and I was playing video games all day trying to escape from the fact that I'm not successful that I'm not contributing anything or I'm not succeeding I guess that's ways that I have when it comes to escaping from reality I see I see I see and uh, yeah, I think we can, I can, I think I can also both relate to that, uh, about that. And I, I, I actually want to ask you in that question, when you escape, when you escape into, let's say, as in what you mentioned, sleeping, is it really to avoid the situation or is it because you're addicted into the, the feeling that, that you experience when you're dreaming? Well, I'm not a dreamer in the sense that I didn't really have dreams. So even if I have dreams, I'll forget about it immediately when I wake up. So a dream is not something attractive or it's not the main reason that attracts me to sleeping. It's more about spending how can I say it? Spending I think it's more the of time like... between the tasks so I can minimize the time that I will spend on being anxious. I see. I see. Okay. It's a, you know, it's, it's a fair way to really escape from being anxious because I am a really neurotic person and, and I'll, I'll be constantly anxious about studying when I wake up. So sleeping is a way to like minimize the duration between tasks so that I'll be, le- I have less time to be anxious and less time to be, you know, Concern about anything. I see, so, but yeah. Hmm. I think I want to actually. Know, tell me. Yeah, I want to actually give my my thoughts on this as well. In some way, that I can relate to. Uh, don't you think that trying to trying to reduce your anxiety by avoiding it actually feeds the anxiety by constantly repeating the cycle? Because I experience the same thing when uh when I try to indulge into my activity. To not deal with the problem or anxiety, uh, I feel really comfortable. But I notice that when I'm back to the back to the task, I end up feeling even worse than uh, initially. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, you're raising the question of whether like spending time on secondary options or like other options will minimize the time for the primary task, and then. In, and it feeds more anxious feeling because you have less time to deal with the main task. So I guess that depends on the person. So if you're really minimizing the time you have for the main task, but you're not minimizing it in a way that it goes through the threshold, then maybe it's okay to, you know, to escape or to spend time on other, other tasks. But if it... If it's through the roof, if it's through the threshold, and you have really little, little time in dealing with the main task, then maybe they'll provoke more anxiety. It depends on the ratio or the amount of time that you spend on other tasks. I see. That's what I'm trying to say. So essentially, what you're trying to say, it's all about the amount of balance you can you can maintain when when trying to engage in such tasks. Right. Yeah, that's the balance. And if you can handle the balance in the 
in a precise and careful way, maybe they'll maybe they'll be positive escapism, and maybe you know if it's if it's too much or it's in a negative way, maybe it'll become you know negative escapism, and mm -hmm. I guess you want to talk about it too, just you know yeah. Yes, uh, I think it's great that you mentioned this. Uh, it makes it easier for me to uh, elaborate on it. Uh, actually, when it comes to escapism, there are various forms of it, ranging from positive and negative forms of escapism. So let me start off with what is a positive form of escapism. A positive form of, of escapism is when uh, we are motivated to do a task to improve ourselves or to improve or expand our awareness. It's also to maybe draw some inspiration and recharge from a stressful task. It helps with our overall well-being. Uh, on the other hand, uh, negative escapism, similar to addiction, is when the tasks control us. The form of uh, entertainment controls us and distracts us to fulfill our responsibilities. So in a way, an analogy would be one would be a uh, positive form of escapism would be self-expanding. Uh, and a negative form of escapism will be uh, self-suppressive. Well, I guess that's I guess the way that you're talking about it reminds me of like or give me some ideas. Maybe I've I, maybe I'll describe it like. But to me, I think that when you can when it expands you, it means it occupy uh, the right amount of time in your life. But if it controls you, then it means they bring negative consequences, which means it goes through the threshold and it controls a large part of your time, sacrificing your time for, you know, your main task. And I guess control or not, self-expanding or not, or self-expanding or self-restricting, it depends on whether if it's dominating your main task or like occupying the time you need for the main task. Is it a way to, you know, talk about yeah, it? Yeah, I think you're, 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 hitting the, you're hitting the target, yes. But I also want to elaborate about how, not only that, but an important part of, uh, of describing the differences between negative and positive escapism is how consistent your actions are to your values in life. Uh, if the negative escapism you're engaging in is inconsistent with who you want to be, and the life that you that you're trying to uh, live, then then that task is controlling you, because it's it's suppressing you and putting you in a in a comfort zone, where you can only stay within your, I will just to just to make a very very strong word, uh, a form of addiction, right? Mm. Uh, while on the other hand, with positive escapism, it's it's to actually chase and continue to. Uh, pursue a life that you would actually be satisfied in through your habits and lifestyle. I guess when you talk about goals, or you know, like main theme that we are pursuing, you're defining the main task in the same time defining like the other secondary tasks, and and I guess it's not action specific, but it's more like task specific. When you define the task, you set boundaries, and things beyond that boundary will be described as, you know, negative escapism or negative actions. And and if it's 
similar to your goals and your you know your ideals, your values, it will be something that hmm, it will be something that can be called positive escapism. Right. Yes. Exactly. Uh, in in a sense, uh, that's also part of it. But I think it's mostly on how how present you are and how satisfying uh, how satisfied you are when you're doing the task before, during, and after. Uh, for negative escapism, when you're doing the task, you're only chasing the uh, external outcome, the the pleasure that the task is giving you, and it, it creates a cycle of you want that good feeling, and then you end up chasing it over and over and over. So that later on, when you're back to your normal your your normal routine task in 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 your daily life, you're not going to have enough motivation since you're using all of that um, all of that uh, that reward in your brain, that dopamine in your brain, for the uh, the task, making it a negative form of escapism. Hmm. When you talk about external reward and internal reward, I guess if just saying if the external reward that you're pursuing matches the internal reward, that it, it will be some kind of a positive escapism. But if it's unmatched or like unparalleled or disconnected, that means it's, it may it may be a negative way of coping. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and it's a negative way of coping because we're we're actually preventing ourselves from applying what we're doing uh, when engaging into escapism into other domains of our life. And I will actually like to elaborate slightly on a tangent right here. Uh, let's say when it comes to uh, positive escapism, right? Uh, let's say I, I decided to have a new hobby, which is, uh, let's say I'm doing archery, right? Uh, at first, it's going to be, it's just going to be a mindful activity I would like to do during the weekends. But I realize I'm starting to actually get engaged with it and I, I really enjoy it. So I start to implement it and I start to actually uh, dedicate my my energy into improving myself for it, so I can actually maybe compete and teach others how to do archery one day. So it essentially uh, expands my my worldview and my life, so that I can actually connect with others. Uh, on the other hand, when it comes to uh, negative escapism, if I'm only indulging into, just for example, my experience would be uh, video games, which is fine. But if I if I let it dominate my entire life, and it prevents me from connecting to others or improving myself in a way where I can actually achieve goals that are consistent with my values, then it will be a negative form of escapism. What do you think? Hmm. Because back when I was saying, you know, there's a main task and there's a secondary task. So. The primary task, the primary task or secondary stars. I'm talking about whether the whether the action and the task matches. But here you're talking that there's certain hobbies or certain interests, like uh, like you know, drawing, singing, or something like that. That may expand your circle, may give you potential benefits, comparing to other actions like drugs and like drugs, alcohol, addiction, and yes. other stuff. So yes. what you're saying here is like task-specific. What I'm saying is what definition is specific. So I'm talking about, I'm talking about whether like the definition of your main task 
define to whether it is positive or negative. And you're talking that the tasks themselves can be a general indicator of whether it's positive or negative. And I believe that in some ways, maybe because a task, a main task, or some kind of a good task or good main task, primary task, is kind of similar and healthy. Like we, we presuppose that it's healthy. And then we'll and, and then we'll say that there are certain actions contributing to contributing it contributing to contributing positive escapism towards that task and whether some others are generally negative. So I, I guess there's an underlying notion that what are healthy, healthier and what's the one not and I guess can you elaborate? Do you think that there are any ideas that can connect both both worlds from the definition specific to the task specific? Can you for for our viewers out there, I just want to ask you to elaborate. What do you mean by task specific and definition specific? So for example, it's like this. I take drugs because that fulfills me. It makes me explore more of the real world in the psyche in the psyche. In a psychedelic way, I guess. So in that way, that's the main task. And if that's the main task, then drugs addictions are maybe something that feeds into the ideals or values of that person, making drug addiction mm -hmm. a positive escapism instead of a negative. Interesting. So, yes, uh, I think I'm seeing there. Yeah. So do you think that so. that is that general tendency, or it's actually differs? in people by being task or definition specific? That's a really great question. And uh, well, I'm no expert here, so I'm only gonna give, you, I'm only gonna give my view based on what I understand. Uh, it's very complicated to break it down because uh, it depends on the person's value structure. Right? Everyone has a hierarchy of values that they, that they prioritize in their life. So uh, just, just, just as your example, uh, if a person values uh, values engaging into his own inner world and he finds the action, like let's say doing art or engaging into uh, various substances, then it's, it's, it could potentially, by, by logic, be a positive form of escapism. But here's my, here's my, here's my uh, two cents here. The issue here are the long-term consequences, right? Because if the person... Is, uh cannot live or has a hard time living without engaging into that form of, of escapism and it's affecting other parts of his life that are equally uh, important or at least relatively important, then it wouldn't really be a positive form of, of escapism as initially uh, mentioned. It has to, it has to balance uh, other aspects of his life and also in the long term for it to be considered a positive form of escapism. I guess, well, I'll say in this way, I think that there's a natural tendency of how we should survive. So we kind of like united in well, our goals or values, kind of united in a way that we're seeking, we're seeking reality or seeking how to live perfectly. And there's a similar way or similar tendencies of how we should live. And that tendency makes actions like drawing, singing, playing music, some kind of hobbies that is in the realm of positive escapism. But 
drugs or alcohol addiction in the negative way of way of coping. So I guess in some ways our goals and values kind of united towards a similar goal because there's only one there's only one kind of way for us to live perfectly. Although there are differences, but there are similar tendencies. And I guess that tendency arranges and, and distinguishes some hobbies from others by setting some to be positive and some to be negative. Right, right, right. And yeah, uh, well, I think I also want to add in how even I think the activity has to be considered as well uh, to for it to be overall positive or negative, right? Because, for example, even if an activity might be healthy for a person, for example, exercise, right? Uh, exercise is viewed as a healthy, um, a healthy activity for the body, but it can actually be used in a, in a way that is considered negative escapism, right? And by the logic I was mentioning, if you're, if you're engaging into the activity and avoiding other, other parts of your life and it's controlling you, for example, uh, really, really uh, very overcommitted fitness addicts, which is fine, but if they also value other parts of their life that, but are not meeting it because they are only overindulging into one domain of their life, like let's say fitness, then that would be a form of negative escapism since it's preventing them from experiencing more of the life that they would actually like to have uh, in the long term overall. Yeah, exactly. Like it goes back to the point that I was saying about the balance, the, the precise balance between like dominating other tasks or not dominating other important tasks. So, mm, mm, mm. you know, like if it's succeeding, then maybe there's a problem. Even if it's a healthy behavior, according to the tendency that arranges, you know, what's positive and what's negative. So exactly. there is a tendency, but there's also another like parameter that defines how much of a good action is not good. How much is it good? Mm-hmm. good? My quoted good, not really, you know, it's not good indefinite. It's good in the ratio balanced way. I see. So I think another, 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 we can also redefine it as in a way by what is sustainable, right? How, yeah. how, how long is it in when indulging into a, a lifestyle and activity, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think one of, the reasons, one of the reasons why no matter if, no matter what you no matter what your reasons are when engaging into um, questionable activities, let's say for example uh, drugs, uh, even if it's used within the intention of positive escapism, like they would like to actually engage more into the life that they will actually like and the values that they have, the reason why it might still be a limited or a a slightly more mediocre form of positive escapism instead of true positive escapism is because it's not sustainable in the long term uh it's it's still going to it's still going to prevent them from actually experiencing the full uh the full potential of the, of, of a life that they will actually be more uh, satisfied in and i'm not here to i'm not here to um to tell like how a person should live i believe everyone should have their own right into determining it but I believe it's also important to have some self-reflection into uh, into reflecting and seeing what other aspects of your life are you not fulfilling because of some 
activities that you're doing at the moment? Well, I think that the best way to survive is, you know, is to... Maybe it's subjective to use best. It's subjective, but it's also like somewhere objective. Maybe I've mentioned this idea with you before. I believe that it's more in the sense of like pursuing, uh, pursuing the objective, perceiving the subjective truth in pursuit of the objective truth. So there are some subjective elements that makes people deviate from the truth or from reality. But if but there's only one reality, one only true and objective reality. And when you talk about whether if there's a tendency, because there's one truth, one reality, there's always one tendency, one like a general tendency. But it it also depends on you know how you perceive it. But but you can you can still argue with a person who's intentionally doing drugs for some brain mind exploration. You can argue with them about whether if it's the best way to survive life. And so there are different ways to survive life. They all come how can I say it? They call joining to each other and become one way and to, to describe one one best way to fulfill life. And mm. And as there's only one way, like one perfect way in a sense, relatively one perfect way, there's only one, hmm, there's, there's one kind of tendency that kind of governs it all. Mm, I think for our viewers out there, do, do you mind um, simplifying what you just mentioned? Just to make it easier for me to give a um, concise response. So... Hmm. How can I? So, like generally, like when you're eating, you know that eat too much vegetables or like eat too much meat is unhealthy for your health. Something like that. But, like, there comes out objective standard that governs the balance, but in the same time, there are subjective differences. Some people, like, you know, Jordan Peterson or his daughter, need to eat meat to survive. So there's some like you know variants, but there's also you know like statistics. There's a bell shape where people kind of lies lies somewhere in between the extreme values, and and that tendency kind of go towards one truth or one reality, and governed by the same objective truth. But mm. there are also you know variants that scatters around the, the graph. So what you're trying to do is to, well, when I say one truth, it's not about understanding the one in the middle of the statistic bell shape, but to understand all the possibilities and all the, the entire data of the bell shape and come to a conclusion of what's better for you. But mm -hmm. in that bell shape, there's always a general tendency where like, What's better and what's not? Like, you know, drinking and smoking and doing drugs. They may be good for some people in the extreme and in a really extreme way with like 0 0.1, 0 0.001, right. something like that. But 
if you want to find the truth or find the tendency, you have to look at the whole bar shape and come to a conclusion. Of, and the conclusion will generally have some kind of tendency of like whether the data gathers around the middle or on the left or on the right. Yes. That's screw the that, right that, Yeah. That's a really unique uh, perspective for you to offer. But I think generally for most people, it might be hard to really um, give a very in-depth analysis regarding what fits for them in their life and what they will perceive as truth. So I yeah. think we can make it more practical, as in just some very simple tips that people could actually use, um, philosophical, scientific, or as what you mentioned, all of the, all of the things you mentioned regarding uh, philosophy and uh, analogies you mentioned. How can they? How can you find what fits for them, and how can they actually know what is actually um, what is actually beneficial for them in in a whole? That is a very complicated uh, question to answer because everyone is very different and everyone has their own environment. Yeah, that's why I say what well, there's like a bell shape. There are always extreme ends, but there is a tendency that can make you conclude that drawing in general are. A good choice or smoking in general is a bad choice mm -hmm. but but in the end maybe you are the ones in the extreme ends of the bell shape of the bell shape graph and you have to right. conclude have to go to the conclusion that benefits you the most right uh, but it really raised the question what well, were like if it's really bad for people in general in the bell shape is he really good for you? Is he really that's a, beneficial? I think that's that's a that's a really it's a really complicated question outside outside my um, expertise, mm -hmm. because uh, some people could actually rationalize and justify their own addictions and maladaptive okay negative forms of escapism. Some people will actually give reasons to why what they're doing is actually good for them, and uh, anyone who tries to say or criticize them would be uh, they would actually end up being defensive, and that's completely fine. I think everyone has their own right to um, to distinguish and choose what works for them and not. Uh, but let's say for our, for other viewers out there who who wants to who wants to have a um, a different perspective, perhaps we could try to be more open when receiving feedback from our close uh, loved ones, people around us. Or throughout our own uh, our own research, when trying to improve ourselves in our life, by and looking I guess at that brings a yeah. really important point. When you say you listen to your friends, listen to your family, listen to different people, you are actually gathering data of this bell-shaped graph to know that whether you are, whether whether where and how and how it look how the bell shape looks like. And when you gather enough data, then you make a conclusion of whether that election is good or bad. And, mm -mm -mm. and with lack of that data, of lack of truth, you have, you know, you may go on the wrong path. Right, right. Do you, do you also think that value judgments here might play a big role? Like yeah. determining, yes. I mean, like determining what what is, what is a more what is a more important um, uh, factor to consider when when balancing the kind of light that you would like when receiving feedback from others. You mean like whether the values that you have will be influenced by 
other other people and not only that but also the information you 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 acquire because don't you think in a way that because we are all biased by yeah. nature yeah. Uh, our our values our values will definitely uh, influence the way we accept and refuse information yeah and so i think one, one important thing i would like to mention sorry yeah one important thing i would like you to Perceiving subjective truth in pursuit of objective truth, you always like the realization is always subjective, but the goal is always mm. objective. So, like, because you know, you want to survive, you want to like live a perfect life. If you want to live a if you want to live a perfect life, you have to know it all, like know mm -hmm. all the truth, know all the data. But in the end, because you're only slicing a piece of your life or you're only perceiving your life, not others, your data is limited to some certain extent. You can expand it by asking others, like, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? And those data will enrich your profile and get you closer to the objective truth. But, mm -mm -mm. you know, no one can really be... 100% objective because no one can know it all except God if you believe in God and yeah that's the you know that's the tricky part but that's also why you need to seek help from others to really right. do a judgment mm. uh, I think thank you for actually sharing the perspective and yes I think definitely there are there are multiple perspectives when viewing let's say what is what is um, beneficial and uh, that works for you when gathering information around you, uh, religion and your ideologies and so on are something to also be considered in when when uh, making value judgments. But I think I'll, I also want to raise another um, another key point here is how when we when we fail to or when we don't give enough time in reflecting our values, it could actually be uh, it could actually be quite concerning because. We would be easily influenced by our environment to choose what values to have, and if we acquire values that are not uh, that are not linked to who we are as a person authentically, then we will end up chasing a false sense of uh, reality, and we will end up making false va value judgments so when trying to improve our. So what you're trying to say is that if you're pursuing the wrong goal, then you're having some kind of false certification, something like that. Yes, you basically get a, you basically get, get um, some kind of uh, an illusion of what life you would like uh, because of the influences in your environment. So in very simple terms, it's when you let your environment determine what is a good life and what is the life that is uh, suitable for you. That could lead to uh, unsatisfaction. I'm also dealing with that too, and maybe other people are also experiencing that, and it's fine. I think it's 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 fine to um, to accept that uh, we're all in a different stage of life, and it's important to give some time to reflect and have more autonomy when choosing what kind of values we would like to form our, for ourselves, and what kind of uh, goals or habits we would do and choose to have. So trial and error, basically. Trial and error from reflection. 
like you remind me of like politics like you said about us should have the right and the time and you know decision and, and the right to make the decision for ourselves to know that was better for us so I'm personally a libertarian I believe in that everyone should have the right and freedom to you know do what they need or they, or they want because maybe they'll know better about themselves because you know back just like what I said we never will be never able to be 100% objective because we're not gods or any you know or the universe and yes hmm and like I guess the attitude that we have to like the attitude that we have in politics will influence whether you have thoughts like this too because maybe some other people will believe like everything is like you know absolute like it's definitely wrong or definitely right instead of looking at it as a bell shape or like with extremes on both ends right so but of course m maybe there are actions that are, you know like you know they're like a hundred percent or ninety nine point nine percent wrong and you should make choices you know in determining whether that person is guilty or not but there but there are some other stuff or some general talents hobbies you know or maybe like smoking weed that should not be really heavily defined unless mm -hmm. you find more evidence about it right 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 yes uh, I was also going to ask if you uh, about your thoughts on the, just your general thoughts on the society when dealing with escapism because I, I also I actually wanted to move on to the section where we can talk about how escapism is relevant to society right now as there are so much more distractions right now in entertainment and there is so many roles that we're trying to find in this age so many ideologies and so many groups so I would like to have a shared discussion on uh, how to actually balance escapism, our personal views, and any 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 thoughts we could give for people out there uh, who wants to hear a perspective in this new era. Hmm. Right. So. Well, because we talk about the primary tasks and the secondary tasks. And you know whether whether your actions or your or the tasks that you're doing influences each influences each other. I would say that the most important thing is to you know really ask and understand what is your main goal. Which is a hard thing to do, you know, because we never know, and sometimes it will change. But I guess. You have asked some, someone like you know, Jordan Pearson or the clinical psychologist about how to precisely nail, nail down or to really discover your main goal so that you can and then build up some kind of principle or discipline to avoid negative escapism. Yeah, mm -hmm. discipline is going to play a... Discipline is going to play a really important role in dealing with escapism but Definitely. when we talk about discipline you have to have you know a goal or a purpose that you're clear about so that 
because your discipline brings you to is is restricting. Oh, how can I say it? The discipline is is following your goal by eliminating the wrong tasks. So that must be a goal mm -hmm. in the first place. And right. and to deny escapism or negative ones is to make sure that you're always constantly on the main primary task. And what else is a better way to do it than discipline? Right, and I completely agree with that. Discipline is a uh, really uh, under underrated uh, thing right now in society, where everything is all about instant gratification and efficiency. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this, uh, this, this concept because I would also like to share my views, uh, my personal views, uh, that other people can actually uh, gain a perspective on when dealing with this uh, this new information age of and having a and having a healthier relationship with escapism. Uh, my one of my views that I find useful and the philosophies I find useful would be called um, stoicism. Some some people might know this already, but for other listeners out there, stoicism is is a ancient Greek philosophy that emphasizes uh, self-control and self-restraint and being mindful of your actions and being able to control your thoughts, controlling what you can and going with the flow with what you cannot control. So I find that living through this philosophy, maybe not living through, but get, uh, being able to use some of the concepts from Stoicism helped me uh, develop uh, discipline, discipline through my habits, actions, and thoughts. And uh, more responsibility, responsibility for my actions and the other things that has happened uh, when dealing with uh, escapism. It, it helps me create a healthier balance when trying to limit myself from distractions so that I can actually focus on what's actually important to me. What do you think? Well, you said that, I guess, to assume, you know, as you said, uh, something that control your emotion and control what you can control because that's that's like finding the hmm. I get the, the two points that we can mention here the first of all is that you know talk about the tendency or the truth so well, the more you know or the more you control the more you know about what you can control the more information that you gather you know the better you can cope with life and avoid from escaping from it. And the second thing is that controlling our emotions is a way to control our goals or values because it influences our decisions. So, right, yes. So, and there's more like an intrinsic or like an inter issue that you're solving, and there's an external issue that's solving. One is the environmental issue, one is the personality or emotional burden or issue. Yes. And I would also like to add in, just for our other viewers, when I, when I meant by controlling your emotions and thoughts, that is not the same thing as suppressing. You're not suppressing your emotions. You're actually taking responsibility for your emotions by mindfully paying attention to them and being present and confronting them inside your mind. So... It forces you to actually have the discipline when confronting any negative feelings you're experiencing and mindfully uh, evaluating them so that you can accept it as you go through life. That is the that is the main difference between 
self-suppression, which is ignoring your emotions, and um, being mindful, which is just being in touch with your emotions without it letting it control you. Well, you bring up a point that's interesting to talk about, is that what our mind thinks is best for us or what our emotions think that's best for us may be good for the short term, maybe, you know, favorable in the short term, but a disadvantage in the long term. So to make the extrinsic environment or the extrinsic goal and the internal goal connected, you have to control the the short-term, unstable, and healthy emotions. By, and by controlling yeah. them, it opens you the door into, into, you know, right emotions that will bring you to the, you know, the outer external goal that you should be pursuing. Yes. And I think I would also like to add in here, uh, just another, just another, just another philosophy that might be more useful because stoicism does help with taking responsibility and building character, and for controlling your actions. But I think it, uh, in in my view, it might not be the best uh, option for determining what's what's best for you in your life. And I think to to combine another philosophy with stoicism briefly, uh, it's called existentialism. So, what is existentialism? Existentialism is basically a philosophy that uh, describes how, uh, because from that philosophy, life is meaningless. But because life is meaningless, that means everyone has the freedom, free will, that may be debatable, but free will to determine what fits for them in their life. And what they do in their life gives them meaning in this meaningless world. Their actions and everything that they do is already meaningful enough and defines their life story. So I think when combining existentialism and stoicism, you're able to have the uh, utility of self-discipline and control when trying to uh, approach or pursue a kind of a life that you find meaningful and that is consistent with the values you find as authentic. And I think those two philosophies... Can you give me an example? how you find meaning in a meaningless world right that's a very subjective question but i'll I'll try my best to uh, give a very simple term just a very simple explanation it's when you're being when you're able to feel present and mindful and connected with the task that you're doing or with anything that you're doing and when you're having the pure enjoyment and intrinsic uh, just intrinsic enjoyment of the task that will be considered as uh, a meaningful uh, pursuit, a meaningful activity. I don't know if like existentialism, like the definition of it, say that there's a meaningless world and you are seeking meaning in a meaningless world. Because to me, I think that intrinsic enjoyment or the consequences that comes with an action is already meaningful. So there's always intrinsic value in all like all the matter and all what matters in the world. And I think that the interaction is already creating meaning. So you're seeking meaning yeah. from value ev evaluation, but you're not 
like like it's not that the world is meaningless. It's just need time to understand and to learn about the values and and evaluate whether what's meaningful or what's not. Yes, uh, and I think just to connect to just connect just to connect back with what you said of uh, subjective truth and objective truth. I think this is what I'm trying to mention when linking it to existentialism. Because everyone, uh, the world out there are just facts out there, but we as humans are not uh, wired to actually perceive it for how they are. We make meaning and connections to uh, all the facts around us, and we make a narrative with how we interact with everything around us. So that narrative definitely drives the creation of our values, which then determines what kind of life that we would find as authentic. What you mentioned as subjective truth, authenticity, and the meaningless yeah. world out here, the objective facts. Well, yeah, to, I mean, yes. To understand the value of different objects or different interaction, you have to be honest about it. That's why you know people say lying is not a good thing, or lying is not a healthy thing for your mind. Because when you're lying to someone, you're lying to yourself too. And yes. And through like interactions, honest ones, we can gather data of what is true and help us to distinguish our own goals, values, and stick with it. And uh, and use discipline to stick with it. And then yes. gradually expand ourselves, just like you mentioned way, way back then. Yes, exactly. And I think just for our reviews out there, uh, by by truth, you can. By truth, what I what I was trying to also mention is anything that you pursue as consistent with uh with your values and consistent with how you perceive uh reality that will be considered a subjective truth. Yeah. Uh, and if we cannot perceive objective truth for how it is, then we can only at least get to the circle around it. We can close perceive enough a to... slice of, you know, objective truth. Everyone enjoys a slice. Yes. We're basically in the range of it. Maybe not exactly at it, but at least yeah. within the range of it to benefit from it. Yeah, when that's forming what, when our we sub- talk about, you know, there's a region. It means there's a little more like a gravi- gravitational force that, you know, make us stick together closely as a cluster. And that's also why we can communicate, just like you know, us two in yes. the podcast. Because there's a exactly. cluster, there's a gravitational force that creates a relative distance. If we are, if the whole thing exploded, just like everyone is infinitely apart, where there's no relative, there's no relative distance, then you right. know we can't even compare and talk about it. Exactly. So basically, because there are elements of truth, there is at least some elements of um, uh, the capacity to perceive and to make intelligible uh, conversations. Otherwise, without elements of truth, there wouldn't be any capacity to comprehend information. Everything will be purely chaotic. And it's true, everything is chaotic. But there's also a balance of order out there. Uh, yeah, when, and, and when the order or the gravitational force that you know you talk about creates that tendency of what tends to be the best choice and what tends to be a bad choice. So you know, exactly. 
So, and I think it's yeah. Sorry, I think it's important for our listeners to be reminded that although there are extreme values in a bell-shaped graph, there's always a tendency, and you're always maybe probably you're not the extreme ones in the values. And even if you're extreme ones, extreme values, you're still in a you know a gathered cluster. Your your values are still. It's like it's like smoking. Even if you're in the extreme end of smoking or of smokers, that that you can get less harm from smoking, you're still being harmed by smoke. So right. there's a tendency that, or there's a there's still a region that fixates you in a way that is still bad for you. It's it's not like oh it must be good for you. Like not really. Right. Right. Yes. And I guess in another way, we can also add in how because there are some shared experiences that everyone can perceive in this mm-hmm. in this reality. That's what you yeah. mentioned. Elements of truth, because it's shared experiences. Uh, our this is where our individuality and our ability to think for ourselves would be important, because we all want to have a life that is well. At least generally, most people would want like would like to have a life that they, that they would uh, find consistent to their values that would they that they would find as a very meaningful or uh enjoyable and tolerable life and because of that they will all need to find some kind of value structures within the facts around them to make their life a lot more sustainable but if they're influenced easily by their environment around them people the opinions of society and so on then that would definitely taint their ability to think for themselves uh i i myself included too and I think that ability to just reflect on your own and have that humility uh, will be essential when being able to access your authentic self in making value judgments. That would be my you, personal view. But when you talk about, you know, maybe the crowd is misleading, and then we just a few minutes late, a few minutes before we talk about that we gather information from friends and family. Yes, it's a balance, actually. What I'm it's trying to mention there is, that, you know, you have to gather information, but maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right. How do you distinguish it from, you know, how do you distinguish good from bad? Part of it comes from like your own experience, your own open experience on that matter. Just like someone tell you that, you know, apple is gonna float and fly into the air. There's no gravity. But you experience a world that there is gravity. Then who do you kind of believe? I don't believe in the guy, or believe in yourself. So there is more like. So how do you distinguish? I guess it's from personal experience, personal repeated experience, and maybe right. maybe a a better selection of friends and family yes. advice. And I think that brings back to my uh, our conversation far back, value judgments, right? Being able to uh, evaluate everything that you've gathered and then including feedback from, from people around you, professionals and so on, and then being able to reflect independently with that choice that, you've, that, you, uh, that you, you made and the feedback that you got from others. That is what I'm trying to say when balancing uh, being able to be independent and cooperating with others in your self-improvement journey. Right, right. 
Yes. How to balance your own like the data that you collect by your own perception and data that you collect from family and friends or strangers? But, but also in some way, I have to you know clarify that when you are gathering data from your friends and family, it's also part of your perception. So it's not really like they are mutually exclusive. They're more like some kind of like your perception is, includes other people's advice. Yes. Yes. But and, like, yeah, talk mm, about it. Yeah. I think this might be a bit complicated for to discuss because uh, I myself are, I'm a, I myself is also going through it. Mm -hmm. So I think what's important is just to really go through trial and error and being able to evaluate what works for you and what doesn't work based on patterns. Patterns you can find in the past that is not consistent with the values that you have and analyze why did it not work? What is causing, what is causing that problem? And how can you actually change that thought process in the future? And being able to create a, a, a mental model in the future when you're dealing with uh, similar situations that contains the same, uh, the same things that cause you to act that way. Do you think that you're confident in what you believe or confident in your goals or your values? I'm sorry, you're asking me if... Yeah. I'm asking, do you think that you are, you know, you are, or do you think that you will be confident in your own values? Or I think not really confidence, but just goals. the, uh, just the trust and faith and humility when, 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 when going through the process of, uh, of your experiences and thoughts in life. Yeah, be, being There's humble a, is a really, really important point. Yes, and I think that is a very essential point right now in, in society as, well, at least being humble definitely opens you to a perspective that you have not uh, considered because of overconfidence. So I think being able to be humble and having, uh, having some trust and faith uh, in yourself throughout the process is essential when, uh, when learning from, from the past and, through the, and when going to the future. Yeah, but like being humble is like, I you have to remind the audience that being humble doesn't mean that you you shouldn't take action or you should be scared of taking actions. Being humble is like not being aggressive towards others, but in the same time being disciplined and go towards, you know, your own goals and values. Yes, exactly. But I the definition I actually wanted to use when I meant by humble is the humility you have towards yourself and towards reality. Well, I mean, your perception of the environment to make it more clear. Mm -hmm. uh, because when we stay too fixated into our concepts, into our ideas, we end up failing to see the bigger picture on what, what is actually causing that problem. And that is why humility, in a sense, where you're able to open yourself into a different perspective and also admit that you might be wrong sometimes and including me, everyone else, I'm wrong a lot of times too, will definitely give us some wisdom and insight for making changes in our life. Yeah, ah, that reminds me of something. It's to like not give up pursuing, you know, the truth or, you know, 
the goal or the values in a sense. Because although we know that we cannot become objective 100%, but our lives go towards the tendency or the or the or our life is a pursuit of you know the objective <laughs> of reality. So we have to you know be constantly pursuing and and not giving up. Because some people give up give up and say like, oh my world is subjective. Like I believe in what I want to believe, and you know, they, but right. it's a really dangerous thing. Not not just to others; it's more like to them. They are not grounded when when they refuse to ground with the objective, you know, reality. They are actually abandoning the safest way to survive, or the or the safest pursue to survive. Right. 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 And I think we can also link that to the fixed mindset in a way, right? Yeah. Where they're only staying in a, in, a, in a zone that they find as comfortable, but might actually be, in a very extreme sense, uh, be quite poisonous because it's, it's limiting themselves uh, from actually achieving what they want. And even, even worse is when they end up regretting in the future, leading to resentment about what they could have done in their youth. <sighs> what a tough life. <laughs> Indeed, it, it's kind of is. Mm. But I think I also want to just share. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful I get to have this podcast with you. I've actually yeah. been escaping a lot recently, and I'm sure everyone else can, you know, also have their own different forms of, of escapism. But the main takeaway I would like for everyone to know is that we're all in this together, and that we should uh, definitely be more open-minded sometimes with, uh, with our experiences so that we can learn and to have enough time for self-reflection so we can have a healthier relationship with escapism and, and a more the yeah definitely and a more uh, fulfilling life which is subjective mm. yes anything else uh i think that's my that's my that's my main takeaway and my main points self-awareness mm. Discipline and responsibility, and well, balance, of course. What about yeah, you? I would say about balance, discipline, and continue pursuing, you know, the truth for your own survival. Yes, that's your the own truth. Way. Well, not your own truth. You know, you perceive it, but only saying that is, you know, it's, if it's only saying that your truth is important is neglecting. The important, the importance of objective reality, because you're surviving in the reality, not, not, not outside of reality. So you con, you con, you constructed in a sense. So you have to be humble towards your subject, be humble towards truth, because you know that you're perceiving subjective truth. But you also be humble because you know that there's the objective truth that you're pursuing. And that goal is something that's unreachable, but something that you still need to pursue. Yeah. I see. So I think in a way, I'll just elaborate further on what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think uh, basically it's to be humble enough so that you'll be able to perceive more of reality and more of truth. Yeah. So that your, your, your subjective truth will be a lot more refined and uh, more, uh, just more, more consistent 
with who you want to actually be. It will be you getting closer to the objective reality. So, you know, that's why I call it the goal, because you are attracting yourself towards the truth. But truth is also, in, you know, the objective truth is also increasing and expanding. So you can become it, but you can get closer to it. And that's the right. point. I see, I see. So I guess in a very poetic way, you could just say it's to be closer and one with reality. Yeah. Well, right. It's just like, you know, we'll talk about it maybe next podcast or some other time. Sure. But it's, but it's you know, just like mindfulness. When you're mindful, you're, you're getting, you're feeling your body and you're engaging in reality. You're actually getting closer to the reality by believing the subjective or, or, or engaging in a way that that's less subjective, less thinking, more engaging in the objective reality by feeling the world. So it's a right, way right. to get yourself more connected to reality and to be more connected, there are different ways, you know. But after being more connected, you're getting closer to the truth in a sense. I see. But I think, don't you think in a way it's actually complementary? Like both of them, subjective truth and engaging with as what you mentioned, objective truth, uh, benefits each other because everyone has their own um, has their own essence of what they view as um, important. And when they when they view when they open themselves into reality, objective truth yeah. was what you mentioned. They'll be able to uh, find some other some other things that they might be missing when when following their subjective truth. And when they do that, they will be able to have a more stable sense of who they are, and uh, a more refined uh, subjective truth, as what I already mentioned. I guess the beauty lies in the imperfection, comparing to the objective truth. And, you know, yes. the beauty is to, you know, to seek perfection, but understanding you're imperfect. And so that's why I tell others to, like, you know, keep pursuing. Even we know that we are imperfect, but the pursuit needs, but the, the journey needs to go on. Yes, exactly. It's that humility and persistence that that makes the journey quite. That's what I would mention and say yeah. again. Meaningful. So. Yeah. Hmm. Basically, we're all the actors of our own life. Actors of our own life. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent. But it's basically uh it's basically it. Basically it's, uh, so we're gonna end it here, huh? Right. Uh for oh. our viewers out there, thank you for listening. Wait, do you wanna leave your you know your show show, something like that? Uh yeah, sure. Well my social media for anyone who's interested. If you get to tolerate this podcast, my social media <laughs> is my name is just Akira. Uh, feel free to follow me and give your feedback. I will be, I would appreciate it. And I guess for me, I'm not gonna tell others, you know, because I'll probably write it in the bottom of the podcast. I'll write yours too. Anyway, shy boy, <laughs> shy boy. Okay, shy boy. I'm not shy. 
Am I? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe. But anyways, whatever. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Good right, talk. Right. Good talk. Good talk.